Welcome in to the Flag Hunting Podcast. This is Chris, and I'm joined by Ian. And up, we are back after the Waste Management Waste Management Open in Phoenix. Um, yeah, a lot of fun this weekend. What were your What were your thoughts from uh, from the weekend? Uh, yeah, first off, what a uh, yeah, what a weekend it was. Uh, whether it was the players involved, the atmosphere, um, the finish, it, it it delivered. We talked about last last week how Phoenix tends to deliver the exciting finishes with the crazy final four or five holes, and uh, this week this week was no different. You know, we had Tigala thought he was going to get that done, um, went for it on 17, full credit to the kid as a 24 year old leading the tournament or at least co-leading the tournament, um, knowing that a birdie on 17 likely finishes or wraps it up for you, at least if you make a par on 18. Um, went for the green, got a bad kick in the water. Uh, that was about the, the, the end of him. Um, you had Xander down the stretch, um, with a chance Brooks, obviously in the final group, Cantley, uh, Scheffler. So, I mean, it, it, it says a lot about, I'm going to talk about Tegel at first, I guess a lot about the, the metal and the makeup of the kid, um, going up against what, half the USA Ryder cup team and, and almost getting the job done. So, um, yeah, I th- I'm sure he made a lot of fans. We'll, uh, we'll kind of keep tabs on him going forward, but definitely need to look out for uh kind of these coming years yeah and i didn't actually uh i keep meaning to go back and i want to watch that shot but from what i had heard it sounded like it sounded like even off the like as soon as he hit it everyone thought yeah. like oh my god this kid just won the tournament and it yep. just it was like and i think he even i think there's a quote where he even said afterwards that he hit the right shot it was just a foot to the right too much or something like that yeah that's the thing about 17 man is uh, we saw it with a couple of chip shots on the other side of the green, but if it, you if you start getting the ball going with speed towards the left hand side of the water, there's nothing to slow it down. It's just a straight slope right down to the to the water there. So yeah, I mean the shot treasure looked good. He he made a good swing, and that's just uh, unfortunately for him the the pitfalls of TBC Sawgrass and um, the volatile finishes. Man, it's it's you know we saw last year Kepka got the glory on 17, making the chip an eagle. Uh, to end up winning over Xander and um and Cagely there, and then we saw the other side this year with with T Gala going in the water and and cost himself a chance to to win the PGA Tour for the first time. But I guess we kind of buried the lead. Someone else did get their first PGA Tour win. Uh, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, super happy for the kid, man. I was obviously we weren't on him. He was on my short list. I just couldn't get there. Sub 30 for a guy that never won before, and he uh he proved me wrong. I mean he he was absolute nails. Um, it it honestly. I mean, he was, I think he made the cut on the number or maybe I think it was three under when the cut was two under. So he was kind of right towards the bottom of the leaderboard uh, heading into Saturday morning. Fires off that crazy 62 where he just played like an absolute uh, god. It looked like he was on a different golf course than the rest of the field there and got himself a contention. Uh, Sunday looked like, uh, and then Sunday looked like just a regular Scheffler Sunday. Like he was just kind of, flo- just kind of floating at even par, made a birdie, made a bogey. Uh, didn't really seem like uh, he was ready to kind of go for it and get it. And uh, turns the switch on on 14, stuffs an approach, makes birdie there, makes birdie in the par five and the short par three or the short par four on 17. And he's uh, four under his last six holes and uh, all of a sudden in the playoff with Canley and, and nails the 25 footer to, to beat the number two player in the world in the playoffs, sudden death playoffs. So, um, yeah, we always knew he had the game. We always knew he was right up there with the Zalatoruses and up there with um, trying to think of other guys that haven't won yet. But, I mean, definitely talent wise up there with um, you know, some of the great young players we have in this game and uh for him to get his first win in phoenix man that's huge just to stare down kept in the final group to to chase down tigala to beat cantlin the playoff i mean you know he talk about your stock rising i mean your stock couldn't rise any any higher in my eyes um not that not that we thought he was a bad player by any means but you know it does take that that first win to really kind of 
prove that you belong and prove that you are a top 10 player in the world, which he uh, officially is now as the number nine player in the world golf ranking. So, um, yeah, excited to see Scheffler, man. I don't think after this week, there's no tournament you can really say that he can't win. Um, I think he's always played difficult golf course as well. Uh, hits it long and straight off the tee, really underrated short game, good iron play as well. So he's got the all around game that you're looking for and uh, look for him to be on cards going forward. Uh, definitely when we get into some of these tougher events. Yeah, and it's it's funny because you 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 actually brought him up last week. I don't remember it now, but you actually made the comment of like, you know, he's listed at twenty five to one, and it's a great number, but I'm out until he wins it. And there yeah. he there he is. He did it. So and it doesn't even sound like you're really that mad about it because you just really wanted to see him get that yeah. victory first. So now, you know, we may not see that twenty five to one again, but we know now that he's got that he's got that. Uh, he's got the killer uh, instinct. Sure. Yeah, that's yeah, the word I was looking for. Yeah, he went on he went on and got it. You know, he it didn't it didn't fall to him. I mean, he, making. Making four birdies in the last six holes, I mean, that is that's really strong stuff. Um, especially with how many pressure shots you face there at Scottsdale with the looming threat of water in the desert. He went out and got it, and um, you know, I mean, he had a chance to win in regulation too. I mean, he he was tied to lead with Cantley going to 18. Cantley just missed his 10 footer for birdie for the win. This is right for the Super Bowl, so Chris probably doesn't. <laughs> Chris probably doesn't <laughs> by this point. But yeah, I mean, he pipes the drive on 18 in regulation, like 350 down the middle, wedged to five feet, misses the putt, and then you're like, oh god. Now he's in a playoff with Cantley. We know that's going to end. Um, and to his credit, man, get pulls himself up by the bootstraps and uh, and gets it done uh, uh, again over the number two player in the world. So, yeah, couldn't be more impressed with Scheffler. Couldn't be happy for the kid. Um, and uh, congrats to all those that hit the outright because, you know, it was right there in front of us. I personally, uh, maybe it's a Achilles heel of mine when it comes to betting. I kind of want to see it a little bit first, uh, especially at a number like that. But, uh, you know, all credit to him and, and, and uh, his team and his ability. So. Excited to see uh, him going forward. I went to bed, went to bed happy la- on, on Sunday because, you know, it's just another young star that we get to add to to this ever-growing cast of of stars we have in the game of golf. So, um, and you know, with him winning it, we've seen it this week when the when the stars are here, the more the more good players there are, the better value you can sometimes get uh, down the board, which we'll talk about later on uh, in fields like like Riviera and the ones we'll have going forward. Yeah, and then um, obviously Cantley and. Uh, make it to that playoff. We touched on him last week about how him and Rom are, are so close, but not able to close the deal. And here we are again, but, but, but still, at least this time they were, he was actually there, you know, like it was one, it came down to one shot at the very end. Um, yeah. So. Cantley got uh, Cantley. I mean, <laughs> yeah. If, if you, if you flash back to the Cantley Bryson BMW playoff, I mean, Cantley was Bryson the scenario and Scheffler was, was Cantley because, I think on all three playoff holes, Cantley was inside Scheffler. He had the better birdie look um, on all three playoff holes. They both missed on the first two. Uh, and then Cantley had an 11-footer on on 18 that we thought was going to win it. Scheffler had like a 25-30 footer up the hill, drained it, made forced Cantley to make the 11-footer. He missed, and all of a sudden the, the playoff's over. So uh, maybe a little bit of a just desserts, maybe a little bit of redemption for our for us Bryson backers a few months back. But, yeah, I mean, certainly Cantley's uh, – He's he's proving, man. I think he's got a chance to get to. I know he's got a chance to get number two. He might have a chance if things go perfectly for him to get to number one in the world, which is kind of crazy considering where he was at like a year ago. I mean, he was kind of in the Shoffley. Um, I'm trying to think of comparables like Shoffley Hideki, um, but like a very good player, but not like we didn't think number one in the world type of guy. You know, we didn't think Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy, John Rom type of talent. Uh, but Cantley certainly uh, proved his proved his worth in that regard. So. Yeah, it's just, like I said, just so many good players, and and we'll get to a lot of them uh, in a great field here, Riviera. All all ten of the uh, official world 
official world golf ranking top 10 here in the field in LA. Yeah, so that's a, a good transition um, as we are off to the Genesis Invitational at Riviera Country Club in Palisades, California. Um, and it is um, a Tiger Woods course, I think, right? So, well, not a Tiger Woods design, but it is Tiger Woods' Invitational Tournament. So, okay, okay. so, so what uh, the memorial is for Jack Nicklaus, what the Arnold Palmer Invitational was for Arnold Palmer, this is Tiger Woods' kind of Invitational Tournament. Uh, outside LA, yeah. So you're absolutely right. This is one of the bigger tournaments we're going to have all year um, in terms of field strength, in terms of prestige, in terms of the course. Uh, Riviera Country Club, like Chris said, in Pacific Palisades, just outside LA. Uh, 7,300, 22-yard par 71. Stroke average of 71.5 over the last 10 years. So considering the field strength of 120 guys, these are handpicked by Tiger. Uh, this is, I think, this actually, by the numbers, has a higher strength of field than the 2020 Masters did. So we're talking about legitimately like a major championship type of field and a major championship type of course. So when you talk about the field strengths that are usually here, having a stroke average over par tells you the test that Riviera really presents these guys. This is a classical American design uh, by George Thomas, who uh, co-designed a lot of his works. He was kind of um, he was kind of a co-designer with uh, Alice McKenzie uh, and took a lot of the inspiration of his own works. Uh, Alice McKenzie, if you don't know, is the uh, the original designer of Augusta National. So there you go. That adds a bit more fuel to the fire when you come to the Riviera Augusta National comps. Um, you've, we've seen a lot of repeat champions here, particularly lefties. Mike Weir, Phil, Phil Mickelson, Bubba Watson, Dustin Johnson. Uh, a lot of guys have had repeat success kind of here and at Augusta. Um, Riviera, again, par 71, 7,322 yards. We're talking about, of course, it's tight off the tee, tree-lined. Uh, typically plays pretty firm and fast as well, which makes it even harder to hit fairways because you have to account for more roll uh, and presents a lot of uneven lies as well. So much like Augusta, very slopey property. You're not going to be able to hit too many to stock nine irons with a flat lie. Uh, you got to be creative around here. Look for shot makers. Uh, look for guys that can shape it. Uh, there are very few straightaway holes here as well. A ton of dog legs. Uh, small emphasis on dog leg rights. So I prefer guys who maybe can shape it a little bit left to right. So that'd be a lefty fader or a lefty drawer or right a righty that hits fades. But again, creativity has become um, when you when you listen to player interviews, creativity and shot making have been a common thread of kind of what uh, takes to succeed here. Um, consistently among the hardest courses on the PGA Tour in general and uh, in the, like, the top percentile as far as when it comes to hitting fairways, hitting greens. We talked about the, the runoff of the fairways, but driving, driving accuracy here is 11% lower than tour average. 55% of fairways hit compared to 62% of tour average, which is kind of crazy. GR percentage is uh, 12% lower than tour average. We're talking about 57% versus 65%. Um, so when it's, it's tough to hit fairways, tough to hit greens, that puts a lot of emphasis on the short game. Uh, for me, uh, just about... Compared to any other stop on tour, I wait around the green play as much um, here as opposed to anywhere else. You're going to be even the best iron players in the world. I feel like you're missing greens are going to be having to scramble, save pars, avoid those bogeys and just kind of stay afloat because the winning score here. We'll talk about that later. is not really crested um, 17 under. So you're not really going to be um, it's not really a birdie party where you're looking to make six, five, six birdies a, a day. It's more so avoiding those big numbers and. Um, and leave it in the right spots. And it's a very strategic course in that way. Um, another kind of marker for the around the green play. There's, these are some of the, some of the toughest greenside bunkers on tour, very deep cavernous greenside and fairway bunkers. Uh, also some tight runoff areas uh, around the greens as well. So if you do hit a shot wayward, it's going to probably find a spot that's going to, that's going to be tough for you to kind of come back from. So again, it penalizes wayward shots. Um, 
you're forced to, you know, scramble a lot here. You're forced to hit quality iron shots, quality drives. And, um, yeah, that's exactly what you, you want to see on the PJ Tour. You want to see these guys challenge. You want to see these guys have to be creative. Um, and Riviera certainly does that. That's why it's been kind of one of the one of the more favorite stops for these guys year in, year out. And uh, I think that, along with the Tiger connection, is why you see so many of the top guys in the game come here every year. Um, as far as the course in general, like we said, par 71, so only three par fives. Uh, those three par fives account for the four holes that are under par in the entire golf course. So out of 18 holes, only four play under par as an average. Uh, again, the three par fives, the first hole is literally just a, a long par four uh, at just over 500 yards. So that is one of the easier par fives on the um, on the in the entire PJ Tour. But outside of that, you're not going to get many birdie looks here. There is a short par four tenth. Uh, it's 300 yards. It's drivable. That's actually the first playoff hole. If you watched last year, uh, where Finau and Homa, that's where Homa got caught behind the tree. We thought Finau was going to be able to get up and down and win that. Homa ends up saving par. Finau doesn't get up and down, makes par as well. They go to the second hole in the playoff where Homa ends up winning uh, over Finau. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's a it's a benign little uh, 300 yard par four on the scorecard. It does play under par, but certainly if you leave it on, in the wrong place, like you will, um, like around many of these greens, uh, it can be a real nightmare. Short sided. It, it's a really undulating slopey fast poana green service and so uh three putts are are very very prevalent here in fact um if i've got yeah so three putts every year are up 15 percent compared to the average tour stop and more putts inside of four feet are missed here than any of the course on tour that's again due to the the uh the speed of the greens the undulation and the fact that we are back on pebble we're in california so get your tory pines notes out get your pebble beach notes out we're back on this i think for the last time uh, all season long, at least for the foreseeable future, we're going to Florida after this, uh, and we'll get and we'll deal with another monster in Bermuda Greens uh, when we get there. But this is our last Poana stop, so I'm looking for, you know, competent uh, Poana history at least uh, with a putter, and then guys that can are capable of making a lot of four, five, six footers uh, for par, because I think that's something that you're gonna uh, it's gonna be required uh, this week. So past champions and key stats for me um, in 2021. Last year, Max Homa is the defending champion. He won it at 12 under and over Finau in a playoff. Adam Scott won at 11 under um, in 2020. JB Holmes won at 14 under in 2019. Bubba Watson at minus 12 in 2018. Dustin Johnson at minus 17 in 2017. And then Bubba again at minus 15 in 2016. Bubba's actually won this course, won this course three times. He won again in 2014. Uh, it's funny, Bubba Watson has eight continental U.S. wins in his career. They've come at three courses, Riviera, Augusta National, and TBC River Highlands. So... Uh, when you talk about a Bubba track, this is certainly a Bubba track. He was on my shortlist. Uh, I didn't quite get to an hour I bet with him uh, this week, but I certainly see the arguments there uh, when we get to the outright selections later on. Um, nine of the last ten winners here have gained in all four of the major strokes game categories. Uh, so we're talking about off the tee, approach, around the greens, and putting. Uh, nine of the last ten winners here have gained in every single one of those. We're looking up for all-around guys, guys that, again— don't have a glaring flaw in their game because uh, I think Riviera is going to be a test kind of all throughout the bag. It's not going to be like Pebble Beach kind of takes the driver out of the bag. It's much more of a wedge and putting course. Um, you know, Torrey Pines is much more of a driver, long iron course. This place, I think you need a much more well-rounded skill set. The only exception for just for reference uh, of the the only one of the last 10 winners that didn't gain in every stroke game category was James Hahn in 2015. Uh, and he only lost 0.2 strokes punting. That was the only thing that was uh, separating him from gaining in every category. So just two-tenths of a stroke uh, on the greens. And that was in a very, very windy, uh, difficult uh, iteration of this tournament. So, yeah, that's my kind of course breakdown for Riviera. Uh, again, cream. It's a, it's a difficult golf course. We have a really, really strong field. I'm 
you've seen the card on Twitter. I tend to lean in these type of tournaments towards the top in the 20 to 30 range. And I just allow the cream to kind of rise. Um, certainly there's guys that rate out really well for me. Uh, and I'm sure Chris will bring some of those up as we, uh, as we go along down the odds board here. But yeah, I'm, I'm, pl- I'm planting my fag. I'm planting my flag at the top of the, at the board. Very, you'll, we'll have the Daytona podcast coming out. Excuse me. Uh, we'll have the Daytona podcast coming out about the same night as this, where that's the time for long shots. If you want some 80 to 100 to one bets, listen to Chris on the Daytona podcast. I'm going chalky uh, and just kind of keeping a really tight condensed card because uh, I think we're going to see a lot of very similar, uh, a very similar board or leaderboard on Sunday to, to what we saw last week. A lot of quality names, a lot of quality ball strikers on the top of that leaderboard. So, uh, with that being said, if Chris wants uh, to chime in with a course or wants to move on to the odds board, I'm uh, 100% ready. Oh, yeah. I was just, I mean, just looking at the uh, the winning scores here when you're going over the course history, like the fact that we've got a minus six winner, a minus seven winner, a minus 12. Yeah, like it's not, we're not going to see these, these as John Rom quotes in this birdie fests. Um, yeah. So, um, and then I, I guess that speaks to all why the field is so strong. Um but yeah, so I guess I guess we'll hit on uh, some of these some of these guys on the board and some of the guys that you had identified as your uh, your short list and probably guys that you'll be keeping an eye on um, to add if if uh, they get to a hot start. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, even even the guys that you had listed, um, and maybe this is just me being used to the the NASCAR side of things, but it seems like we're getting some real premier talent at really good numbers. Um, so I guess uh, just to look at the board, obviously we've got Roman Cantley who arguably i'm not even arguably anymore they're just the one and number two golfer in the world for a reason um you get them at 10 and 14 to one currently um but the first guy that was on your short list um actually kind of a group of them here but dustin johnson at 15 to one morikawa at 16 to one jt at 16 rory at 20 um so i guess start there with uh well i guess three of those four names were on your initial short list and uh, kind of what you're seeing here yeah uh, absolutely. So DJ is a, um, he will be a very popular pick. I think if DJ wins this tournament, a lot of guys on Twitter will make some money. Uh, he's a guy that has historically dominated Riviera. If we can pull up his, uh, recent form sheets on Riviera. I know he's won this tournament obviously in 2017. He finished uh, third, I believe last year. Um, yeah, I actually finished eighth last year. He came into the he came into Sunday with a two shot deficit on Sam Burns. Couldn't quite chase him down. Actually had a pretty bad Sunday. But yeah, his his recent form of Genesis at the Riviera, um, eighth, tenth, ninth, sixteenth, first, fourth, second, second. <laughs> so yeah, he has dominated this course historically. Um, he was on my shortlist for a reason. Um, and at eighteen to one, it was it was definitely worth a look. Uh, he didn't quite get there for me. Um, but yeah, I definitely see kind of. I definitely see the reasoning behind that. I mean, this week in particular, I, and I know people that bet on golf will, will kind of uh, agree with me here. This is one of the harder weeks I've had to narrow down um, kind of a field into a, into a four or five man card just because, man, at the top of this board, and Chris spoke to it, there are so many good names here. And I think well, part of the reason for that is the fact that as courses get harder, uh, it tends to favor obviously the best golfers because they have just a more well-rounded skill set in general, or they have just uh, the tools to get it done on these harder golf courses. You know, there's a reason why majors and WGCs and FedEx of playoff events and the biggest events in the PGA tour tend to be won by the best players. Um, you know, when you get to like a, a Wyndham or a Sony or 
uh, trying to think of like a RSM classic, something like that, a shorter course that doesn't demand you isn't nearly as demanding from a, from a yardage standpoint or from a design standpoint, you can kind of get some of those uh, off the wall winners. Um, but here, I think these guys um, at the top of leader or at the top of the odds board are really comfortable that if they play their best game, uh, there's not many guys that, that can catch them for sure. And DJ is certainly one of those guys. He's proven it over the course of history at Genesis. Uh, he had a great ball striking week at Torrey Pines. Uh, truth be told, I I just like guys um, similarly at higher numbers. So we'll get to, uh, I guess, the next guy, the first guy that we've we've named on my card. That's Colin Morikawa. Um, I got him at 22-1. to 1. I think he's listed at 18 when Chris got him or, or 16. Um, but look, I mean, somehow it's, it's happened again. Like, I don't know how it's happened, but it's happened again. It's taken us two months to forget about the number two player in the world, um, and, and list him in the 20 to ones on Onsport. I mean, if you get me calling anywhere, anytime at 20 to one or over, it's going to be a click. Just a, just a forewarning to anyone that wants to, uh, predict my picks or wants to make it some early selections. I know I don't get my card out until Tuesday. If you want to kind of, if you see the odds board on Monday and you see call more count 20 to one, he's going to be in my card. So, um, and 99% of the time, I obviously won't, if he's like clearly carrying an injury or something like that, then obviously that's a different story, but this is Colin Morikawa. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's won two of the last seven major championships. He's the best iron player in the world. He's 20 to one here. Um, and yeah, it's not like he's really in all that bad of form. Uh, we saw him the last time we saw him here on the PGA tour was in Maui. He got to 25 under, uh, and finished T five. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to knock him for that. And then he had a steady T18 in his last star overseas at the Dubai Desert Classic. Uh, gained over 4.5 strokes T to green in all four rounds. Um, so over a stroke per round T to green. So he's clearly not in bad form. Uh, he gained uh, 8.6 and 6.4 strokes ball striking um, in his two previous starts here. So it's clearly he's comfortable. Um, you know, getting around this track. He's an LA, he's a LA kid from La Cunada, So he's a Southern California kid. Uh, I'm sure he's, I'm sure, I mean, he's, he was a phenomenal injury golfer. I'm sure he grew up playing here much like guys like Cantley and Shoffley did as well um, as California guys. So I'm sure he's got the comfort. He's obviously got the winning pedigree. And if you give me a 22 to one on, on Colin, we're taking it every single time. Uh, as terms of JT, the guy that we, um, we bet on last week, a guy that should have been in the mix. Uh, I've, Chris can attest to the to the venting I was doing in the group chat, the the missed putts uh, that always seem to kind of follow JT, that always seem to to kind of keep him from winning as, as much as a guy that like you know with his talent should win. Um, you know I think he was second in the field, T D Green last week, didn't make a putt to save his life. Um, has two missed cuts here at the Genesis in the last two starts, but did finish second to JB Holmes. Actually I think choked like a five or four shot lead on Sunday uh, to lose JB as well. So. He does have the history here. Obviously, JT's more than capable of winning. He led the field in approach. I think he had his best approach uh, uh, week ever, or not ever, but in the last year or so, um, last week at the at Phoenix. So he was he was striking the ball well. He's playing well. I think JT's kind of due for a win, but if you're giving me 16-1 on him and 22-1 on Colin, uh, there's only one way I'm ever going there. Uh, and then we talk about Rory, who was the uh, second guy in my card. Uh, in terms of the guys we've listed so far, I got him at 25 to one. I, I still see him at 20 or 22, and I mean, keep in mind, I mean, Rory, it, it just it doesn't really feel uh, that. I mean, that just number just in general doesn't feel really in place. Keep in mind, last time we saw Rory McIlroy get the field this strong, he was dusting everybody at the CG Cup in Vegas. Um, he uh, in the last 30 rounds, he is uh, fifth in the field around the greens and seventh on the in the field off the tee. So obviously the two biggest things I was uh, correlating earlier on was hitting the fairway, uh, good drives and then the short game when you do miss the green. So he has an all around game. 
Um, he has two top fives at Riviera in 2018 or 2019 and 2020, I'm sorry, and uh, should be kind of, you know, and was kind of robbed or not robbed, but he, you know, maybe is not getting the credit he deserves for the performance he put down in Dubai, where he really should have at least been the playoff with Hovland and Bland there uh, in his last European tour start, ducked in the water on the par 518th and ended up making bogey there to kind of shoot his way out of the playoff. But certainly in good form. We're getting a great number on Rory. Good course history. He has all the tools. And uh, like I said, Rory's again, when you see 25, like Chris said, I mean, when you see guys like like Rory McIlroy, 20, 25 to 1, it's hard to just pass that up, even if you like a guy in the teens. So I'm taking a bit of the value play here. He's more than capable of, of beating this field. And uh, I like Rory a lot at 25 to 1. Where, what is the last time we saw Rory? Uh, so did he play the tournament champions? He typically doesn't go to Hawaii. So I don't believe we saw him in Hawaii. Let me check that real quick. Um, obviously he played in Dubai and finished third. Okay. Um, and here, I'll, I will get the log up here in a second. Yeah. So he, no, the last time we saw him stateside was he won the CJ cup. Okay. He, he, so it has been a while then. Yeah, it has been a while. So he's played, he's played two events in the last five four or five months yeah since the tour championship so i guess and i guess um, that doesn't really scare you then well they were it was a first and a third so okay <laughs> well, yeah like, fair the third. <laughs> yeah so i mean i yeah i mean rory is rory like it's not like he has to find anything he's got probably the best swing uh since tiger woods so yeah I, i'm not i'm not worried about rust when it comes to uh to a, a guy that has a case to being the best player of his generation so yeah, it's just it's just funny because like, and I think I think we touched on it in the season kickoff. It's like it's like one guy that you're super high on, but one guy that I like the case is still out on for me just because he hasn't really been there the last year when I've really been paying the most attention. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to to bet on him and and have him prove me wrong. Yeah. Um, Keep in mind, he uh, we're talking about Rory having, and I agree with you. Like Rory. When I first got into golf betting, Rory was the man, like he was the ROM. Like he was right. finishing top five every week. He was seriously the best player in the world. There was really not really a debate. And kind of since post-COVID, he hasn't had that same aura. Uh, whether it's been the energy of the fans that he's he's kind of mentioned that's got him down or just uh, the the, talk, the talks of him cha- him chasing distance when Bryson did what he did uh, to win the US Open, which is just ridiculous because Rory's pound for pound the longest hitter on the PGA Tour. I mean, the dude's like the size of just – an average human. Uh, he's not like some six, three, like athletic Dustin Johnson, or Brooks Kepka type. Like he's five, eight, one seventy. you know, strong for sure. But I mean, just the mechanics that he has to hit the ball that far, that size uh, is incredible. So the fact that he was chasing distance um, when he already has just an incredible swing is, is kind of absurd, but, um, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The points well taken. He, he's not been the Roy McIlroy that we've been used to seeing over the last, since he came on the tour and, and, and burst on the scene. It was the phenom of phenoms. Like he was, Touted as the next Tiger Woods, he was Nike's. He was Nike's face after Tiger Woods. He was the one that was selling the Nike Vapor drivers and and, and all their tire and stuff like that, right? And he still is kind of their poster boy uh, in that sense, alongside Tiger. But we're we're talking about Rory having kind of a downstretch of his career. He's won twice in the last what ten months. He won a Quail Hollow and and Shadow Creek, two very very good fields. Quail Hollow, um, just. Uh, kind of as an as an aside, is another one of the comp courses when it comes to results. Uh, maybe not stylistically, but like Augusta. But when you talk about like uh, corollary winners here, Rax Homa has won twice, both at Quail Hollow and at Riviera. Um, I'm sorry, James Hahn has won at both Quail Hollow and Riviera, and uh, I believe JB Holmes has won twice at both Quail Hollow and Riviera. 
Um, that one I'm not entirely sure about. I'm about to, I'm about to look that up. Uh, J.B. Holmes has, yes, one at Riviera, uh, one at Quail Hollow in 2014. So, yeah, you have three kind of crossover winners there. Rory obviously dominates Quail Hollow. He's the king of, of Quail Hollow. Uh, and so, yeah, that's just another check mark uh, you can kind of put next to his name there. Gotcha. All right, so next five names are um, – it's funny because I wish we still had if, – if anybody hasn't listened to the podcast with Phil yet, which will probably be posted after this one's posted, but the next five names, uh, Phil talked about three of them, so it's kind of funny to be to see these names now. Um, but we've got Cam Smith at 22-1, to 1, Xander at 22-1, to 1, Hideki at 24-1, to 1, Victor at 25-1, to 1, and Willie Z at 25-1. to 1. Two of those five are on our card, um, and I'll, I'll let you – tell who those who those two are um but yeah it's it's nice to see uh to see cam smith back it feels like it's been a while since we've seen him as well yep since hawaii i don't think he's played uh since his uh win in hawaii he'd missed the cut the next week at sony i think he actually played excuse me i think he actually played in the middle east i think he played the saudi invitational had a pretty good finish there uh but yeah i mean it's it is a little bit strange to see cam like one win, and he's priced with Colin Morcow and Xander Stockton <laughs> and Roy McIlroy. Like, I mean, I, I, I think Cam Smith's great, but uh, I'm not going to touch him here. I mean, he does have a really good – He, I think he finished third here last year. He has the short game we were talking about earlier. Um, I guess he. I guess I'm just going to be bearish on Cam Smith. I guess that's just my destiny. I'm I'm just going to have to sit here and watch him win tournaments because I'm – I don't put him in this – this. I don't put him in this uh, this tier of guys. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think in this type of field, he's more in the Scheffler, Zalatoris. I know, I know Zalatoris has kind of drifted to 25, but he opened at 30, 35. Um, yeah, I think he's more in that tier than than with major champions and, and guys that have proven that they're have a case of the best player in the game, uh, right? Either now or in the past or in the recent history. So, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be out on Cam Smith here at 22. I, I see the I see the argument. Like I said, he's kind of got the all-around game the driver did kind of show some signs of life at Kapalua again Kapalua very easy driving track so it'll be interesting to see how he does here at Riviera but certainly I mean he's got the short game to keep up around here I'm just not gonna touch him at this price uh the guy I will pick am I actually my strongest lead in the week is Xander Shoffley um we talked about having a well-rounded game gaining an all four strokes gain category I think Xander might be the most well-rounded player in the game uh when it comes to uh your weaknesses uh, and not not really having a weakness. I think I would put Xander's kind of lowest metric up against anyone else's lowest metric. I think he just excels across the board. Again, maybe doesn't have the strength of Colin Morikawa's iron player or, or John Rahm's driver or anything like that. Uh, but again, I don't see um, any shot that Xander can't take on um, at a very very high level. So again, uh, Xander returns to uh, he's returned to Southern California. Another SoCal kid. He's obviously from San Diego, but coming up to LA. Um, he fresh off the best TD performance of his career. So at Phoenix, uh, we didn't really talk that much about Xander's performance at Phoenix, but he legitimately probably should have won that tournament by about three or four shots. Uh, you can point to a lot of putts inside 10 feet that just did not drop for him. Uh, missed the playoff by one. Had, I think, an 11-footer on 18 or like a f- inside 15 feet on 18 to join that playoff with Cantley and with Scheffler. Uh, so another kind of near miss for Xander here. But, um, yeah, obviously he's playing well. I was kind of off him last week because it seemed like he was sleepwalking a little bit through the fall swing, through uh, the early part of 2022. But he he kicked in the gear pretty fast when he got onto a track that he was comfortable with uh, there at Phoenix, leading the field tee to green. Uh, and now he comes to a, start, a place here at Riviera. He's never finished worse than 23rd in four starts here. And when you talk about difficult venues, places that demand a lot of out of, a lot out of you, a well-rounded game, 
he is he's excelled. He's top five in strokes gain total uh, in terms of difficult golf courses over his last 24 rounds. Uh, you talk about U.S. Opens, major championships, Mirfield Village, Quail Hollow, the the true test of the game. He's excelled at all of them, um, and I'm willing to put put the uh, put put my money put my money on the line um, for a guy in Xander that I think is just um, he he looked dialed in at, at Phoenix, and I think uh, if he carries that kind of TD Green game over, he'll have every chance to. Uh, to back up that Sean performance. And then uh, moving on, I forgot who else you were with here. Hideki, uh, Victor, and Willie. Gosh. Okay, so Hideki and Victor, yeah. <laughs> These are good presses as well. I mean, they were – I know I think Victor was on my short list. I don't know if Hideki quite made it, but, yeah, I mean, they both have the upside to win. I mean, these are two of the most prolific winners over the last six months we've seen. Victor's won three times in his last six starts. Hideki's won twice in his last, I don't know, what, five or six as well. So, yeah, clearly they can win. Uh, Hideki kind of showed he was in the mix there at uh, at Phoenix as well, another course that he really likes. Um, again, great TD Green player. I just uh, – I wasn't on him for whatever reason. I just – my leans when you get when you get into the 20, 25-1 range, you're talking about the top 10, 15 players in the world. you got to kind of nitpick a little bit, and you just have to go with the guys you feel stronger about. Hideki just was on the outside looking in a little bit for me. But again, I've got nothing bad to say about his TD Green game. Obviously, the putter's a bit bulky, but I met Colin Markow at about the same number. So, um, you know, I think it's kind of a tomato tomato a little bit there. It's kind of whoever you prefer uh, personally. Um, but yeah, I, I like Hideki a lot. Victor, again, we we talked about the ceiling on the NASCAR show. I've got every expectation that Victor Hovland's going to win whatever he wants to win in the game of golf. Uh, to be honest, you know, he had a he had a down week. Unfortunately, we were on him at 18 to one last week. Um, missed the cut at Phoenix. Lost strokes off the tee for the first time in like 35 rounds, uh, which is kind of insane. So for whatever reason, it wasn't there at Phoenix. Um, you know, we allow I allow people to have bad tournaments like it just happens. Golf is hard. Um, one of two bad things. Go, it's not like he played horribly. I think he was one under. I think he missed the cut on the number um, or at least he, he was making a bit of a charge on on Friday until he I think he had won the water. And that was pretty much it. Um, so, yeah, it's not like he he was it, it's not like the metrics were you know, atrocious or, or overly concerning for me. It's just um, here for Victor. I feel like the uh, around the green game uh, is going to kind of hurt him more so than more stop the most stops. I feel like um, these Kikuya, this Kikuya rough, this Poa greens, like it's going to trounce the best short game players in the world. And uh, Hovland is certainly not that. So when you talk about guys that, you know, you're going to have to at some point on Sunday, if you're in contention or some point on Saturday, you're going to have to get yourself out of a tough situation. Uh, I just don't think I just don't see Victor doing that quite enough. Obviously, he's got the ball striking to just hit it to 15 feet every single hole and uh, and make birdies that way. But um, he's just not the he doesn't have the all around skill set that I'm personally looking for, but certainly has the ceiling. And, and I'm not going to sit here and besmirch Victor's name one bit, especially at 25 to one. I mean, we're getting 18 to one here lat or uh, lat just what, seven days ago. So see him at 25 is, is pretty jarring. And he was on my short list um, as far as bets I wanted to make. But Willie Z is the guy that I did settle on. I got him at 35 to one. Uh, I think you still find him at 30, 25. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, Willie Z. When you talk about difficult golf courses, when you talk about long iron play, I forgot to mention the key proximity ranges here at Riviera. Uh, over 60% of your approaches are going to come from over 150 yards. So very similar to kind of, it's kind of a mesh between Torrey Pines and uh, Phoenix. Phoenix a lot of kind of short to mid irons. Uh, Torrey Pines. Uh, kind of a lot of long iron, so I think it's right in the middle of that. And obviously, the last time we saw Will was at Torrey Pines um, on Poena Greens, finishing second, uh, solo second, losing the playoff to Luke List there. 
Um, but yeah, he kind of just fits the mold, man. Like we've seen three guys uh, in a row on the bounce win for the first time on courses that clearly they fit. Uh, Luke Lewis, Troy Pines, Hoagie at Pebble Beach, and then Scheffler at, uh, at Phoenix last last week. I think really he's more than capable of uh, kind of continuing that trend. Great on the long par fours that um, that we're going to see a lot of this week. Uh, top 20 in the field of distance, top five in bogeys avoidance. Uh, and so he is kind of, again, just kind of like Xander, very, very, um, proficient when it comes to these difficult golf courses, major venues, uh, venues that require, uh, that don't require you to make a lot of putts, but require you to kind of have a, just a sharp all around game and avoid the bogeys and stick, keep yourself afloat, uh, with the ball struck in the short game. So, uh, again, I, I, I'm, I think I, I'm in love with Willie at this particular spot. I think this is maybe the last time we can really bet him um, until maybe the Masters. Um, I don't really feel like Florida is maybe the best place for him. Obviously, he's got the talent to win anywhere, but we're talking in terms of course fits and, um, you know, just general chances to win the golf tournament. I, I like him a lot here at Riviera. So those are my four picks. Xander, 22. Colin, 22. Roy, 25. Will, 35. Uh, again, we're not veering too far down the board, although there are guys I like that Chris will bring up. Uh, but those are the four selections that I've got uh, this week. All right. And then I guess the question that I – ask every week um but these guys are listed at different prices now than what we may have gotten them via other books or uh just because the number is moving um so yep. i guess at their current price you got colin at 16 well at least on our book colin at 16 yep. xander at 22 willie z at 25 and who am i forgetting aurora at 20 yep. um so at those current numbers are you still taking them yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll get through the easy ones first. Xander and Rory are about the same as what I got him at. Uh, right. I'm seeing Rory 20 and Xander 22. So yeah, that's that's a full send. I'll 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 push the button on both of those. Uh, Colin versus DJ and Patrick Cantley is pretty interesting. Even though I think I see I see Cantley at 14, DJ at 15, Colin at 16. I think you can honestly take your pick. Uh, I think if if you're looking at floor, I think Cantley might have the the best chance to like best percentage chance to contend, even though, you know, he hasn't really proven over the last few months he can close, but, um, you know, I, I don't put a ton of stock into that. I think if you, if you find yourself contention enough, you're going to find a way to, to get it done at some point. So Cantley at 14 to one, I, I'd, I'd endorse that. Um, and then DJ at 15, I think honestly, those guys are really close for me. I took the blind value with Colin at 22, but if you want to go to DJ or Cantley, I've got no problem with that. Uh, Zalatoris at 25, um, that feels a little bit like FOMO, to be honest with you. I got a 35, and um, certainly I, I like that number a lot. But you start getting to the mid-20s. We, we had the same conversation with Scheffler last week. But yeah, uh, it's like, like, do you really bet Willie Z at the same price as Hideki and the same price as Hovland? Like, like even up, they're, they're better players than them. But I, I do have a feeling that Zalatoris is going to compete here. Um, and I, I don't want to miss that. So um, I, I like the Colin number of bit better than Will Zalatoris number just from a pure odd standpoint. Um, but like I said, I don't, I, I really don't think there's a bad bet underneath 30 to one this week. I think you can go any direction you want. You can, you can tell a story about anyone um, kind of at the top of this odds board, because like I said, these are the best players in the world. When, if any of these guys play to their 99th percentile ceiling, they're going to be right there with a great chance to win on Sunday. So uh, at some point you just kind of, you kind of pick your guy and you hope that the ceiling week comes, but um yeah, I've got nothing. Like I said, I'm not going to I'm not going to come here and besmirch anyone that that you want to kind of pivot off of uh, this this far off the board, because there's 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 a great argument made for everybody. Right. And then I guess to kind of split the gap before we get to the to the bombs, two more guys that you had in your shortlist here. 
uh, that are former champions here. Bobo being a three-time champ, Adam Scott being a two-time champ here. Um, so obviously, I'm assuming that's why they they made your shortlist. But um, yeah, I guess for me, my take on it is uh, I, I don't know what, really what we've seen from Bubba other than than Saudi. And then yeah. Adam Scott, I think I think I'd be more comfortable taking Adam Scott because I feel like I've seen him more on, on leaderboards, at least of recent. Um, mm-hmm. But is is it just course fit, or uh, is there more to see than than what I'm seeing? Yeah. So the Bubba case is growing day by day. I'll be honest. Bubba, it kind of it's funny you mentioned these two guys because my last click was Colin. I had I had Xander, Rory, and Will clicked pretty early. And then it kind of came down to Bubba plus Scott or Colin. Um, and for me, it was just more about if I miss Colin at 22 to 1, like I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Um, because like he's legitimately has a, like two months ago, we were talking about Colin Morikawa being the best player in the world. And there was no one like that could debate you. Like if he if he shoots even par at the Hero World Challenge on that Sunday, like like this number is like 14 to 1. So for me, like in a macro sense, I feel like Colin just the numbers there and I'm going to pounce on it. I, I love both of those bets though. I think Bubba, I think I like Bubba a little bit more. Again, you said he's won three times here. He finished second in Saudi. He finished 14th at Phoenix last week and actually led the field in approach. So we've seen some really good ball shark numbers from Bubba Watson. Um, he's coming to a course. He's comfortable. You talk about shot makers. You talk about uh, shot shaping and everything like that. Uh, creativity. That's, that's Bubba and spades. Uh, he's actually He's actually stunningly been kind of good around the greens here as well. That's kind of something that I don't typically expect from Bubba. So maybe we see a bit of regression there, but it's clear. I guess he does. I mean, he obviously likes the course. Um, whether he's in good enough form to win, uh, that's where I kind of draw the line a little bit. I We haven't seen Bubba win in four years. So um, it's a huge ask to take down this field. Like, you know, I think he could have a great week. I mean, bet him top 20, bet him top 10, play him on DraftKings. I've got no problem with any of that. Um, but for me, it's just like, I it just the thought experiment in my, in my head, like Sunday afternoon, Bubba Watson, the final group against who's he going to have to, he, he's going to have to go up against Rom, Cantley, Colin, DJ, Rory, Xander. Like he's going to stay on those guys and win for the first time in four years. Like that's a bit, I don't know. That's where it gets a bit dicey for me. But again, the number is good. It's 45 to one. I honestly expect it to be like in the thirties, uh, just based on his recent form and his history here. So nothing, nothing bad to say about it. But again, you gotta, you gotta make some painful cuts, and that was unfortunately one of them. Uh, Adam Scott for me again, yeah, he's got the good course history. I don't know. I, it's funny because I did bet him to win the Masters at eighty to one, um, but again, it's just kind of telling yourself the story like that. Um, Adam Scott's capable of of slaying these dragons at the top. Like he's, he's shown solid form. Like I, I I've seen solid numbers from Scott, but I haven't seen anything eye popping. Like that's why I kind of like Bubba. Cause I, I do see like, Oh, the ball striking is like coming back from a week over week with Scott. He's kind of like, he's making the cut. He's finishing top 20. Like, yeah, he's lurking. Um, but I don't see the tools yet for him to, to really win. Um, but again, like certainly he's, he's a former number one player in the world. Great ball striker when it's on, but, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm just not. I'm not there for for Scott this this particular week. I'm gonna have to see uh, a little bit more. I, I understand the dart throw if you want to make it, but um, if I'm gonna come on here and tell you who I think is gonna win the golf tournament, it's not Adam Scott. Yeah, that's uh, definitely an oversight by me on Bubba finishing so high this past week. I did not realize he played that well. He was sneaky. He was sneaky for sure. So yeah, he scares me. He's like I feel. I do feel like I could wake up on on you know, or I could I could 
flash forward to Saturday afternoon and Bub Watson's like tied for the lead. I'm like, oh, gosh, dang it. This is going to happen. Isn't it? <laughs> but, you know, you, you kind of just accept that risk. Like it's the same with NASCAR. Like there are guys every week for you that I'm sure you love that uh, don't make your card. And if they win, they win. But I'm very confident with the four guys I picked and I'm happy to go in and ride with these four. Um, and we'll, we'll try to beat, we'll try our best to beat Bubba Watson with, uh, with Colin, Rory, uh, Xander and, uh, and Willie Z. Yeah. And I guess to, um, give a quick, um, which I'm realizing I did a very poor job of doing this in the NASCAR podcast, but to, to go back, gloss over the units that we're putting on these guys. Um, so the card currently stands at Xander, um, five units on him at 22 to one, five units on Colin at 22 to one, four and a half at Rory at 25 to one and three units on Willie Z at 35 to one. So that brings our total from to 17 and a half invested to win 110 units. Yep. Um, we're Stop due. that six to seven to one range. To yeah, yeah. That's where yeah. I try to keep it. And this is the so, seventh weeks. We did stay. <laughs> do what? This is to Chris's point. I think you're getting the same point I was getting to. But this is the seventh week of the season. So uh, if we want to break even with my current scale, this is about when it has to get done. Uh, so luckily the fall swing has kind of bailed us out of a really cold start in 2022. But um, yeah, we're getting to a really exciting part of the year and. And I'm, I mean, to, to have these four names on a card, it's not often you get Rory, Colin, Xander, and Willie Z on the same betting card. So, um, yeah, really excited for this tournament. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. And uh, if, if Chris wants to, if Chris does want to go f- over some long shots, I'm more than capable of doing yeah. it. But, uh, yeah, that's yes. just. Yeah, so I, I guess what to, uh, I was just, I just want to highlight our card before I forgot. It was kind of, I was getting that because yeah. I realized that I forgot to do that for the NASCAR one. But yeah, so some some longer guys here. Um, a guy that I had actually saw a tweet on that caught my attention was Thomas Peters at seventy five to one. Um, you have also Jason Kokrak at seventy five to one, Luke List at eighty to one, Paul Casey at eighty one, and then Maverick McNeely at hundred to one, and Robbie Mack at hundred twenty five to one. So I guess a lot of names thrown at you there. But what were your uh, reasonings for them making your kind of long shot list here? And I guess. Even though we're, we went really top heavy, um, do you see a live ad coming from one of these from one of these six names here? Oh yeah, I mean I'm I'm a I'm a weak individual on Thursday morning. Like uh, Colin's gonna make one bogey, I'm gonna start panicking and be like, all right, let's just add Thomas Peters at six to one. No, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, we'll we'll start with the I guess we have six names there. We'll start with the kind of the simple names here first. Robbie Mack at 125. He's actually drifted to 150, 200 in some spots. Um, I don't mind that at all, especially as like a DraftKings play or a placement play. Um, I think he's a solid play. We talked about the lefty correlation we have with Augusta. Um, of all the lefties that have won here, they have uh, won the Masters. Um, or all the lefties that have won the Masters have finished have won here at least twice. So Mike Weir uh, won the Masters, has won here twice. Phil Mickelson has won here twice. And then Bubba Watson's won here three times. So we've seen a strong lefty correlation at both courses. Robbie Mack finished T12 in his uh, initial um, I guess to start, he has a couple of uh, top tens in the, I think it's the United Arab Emirates. They played Hoyard and then Fox won in back-to-back weeks uh, there on the European tour. So he's coming with some solid form. Uh, it, again, it'd be a tough, it'd be a big ask from the outright win here, but I do think uh, Robbie Mack is going to have a solid week. McNeely at 100 to one is kind of just a, a numbers play for me, just based on uh, his history in California, his, his history on Poan, a lot of the same. Uh, kind of corollaries and a lot of the same metrics I used to justify him at 20 to one at Pebble. He's now three, four times the number here at uh, Riviera. Again, not a guy that I envision winning a golf tournament. Like it's again, tough to, fu- tough to 
tough to see McNeely getting his maiden win at Riviera against this field, but 100 to one does stick out to me um, in terms of just pure value uh, by the numbers. Uh, Casey's a guy. I mean, if you listen to this podcast long enough, uh, Casey plays doesn't play as much uh, over here as he does overseas, or at least to start the season. He usually starts the season overseas a little bit, uh, but now he's coming to America. Casey's a guy. I'm gonna be that's gonna be on my radar kind of week in week out. He's a T degree monster, a uh, great ball striker. Um, but again, he, he's very much in kind of the I don't know. The Luke, I, I don't want to call him the Luke list because Paul Casey's won a lot more than Luke list, but um, very much in like, how's this guy not won more here in America based on his skill set? We got him. At, I saw him at 80 to one earlier in the week. Um, and so at that kind of number, I'm always going to be intrigued by a guy that can strike the ball that well. Um, Luke list. We'll, we'll kind of go to Luke list as well. I mean, we, he won at Torrey Pines, a long California Poana course that, you know, emphasizes a, a complete TD green game. I mean, he, he, He's been phenomenal around the greens. He's, he's kind of found the form that we all fall in love with a few years ago uh, where he has the great short game now. Obviously, the putter is always going to be bulky. But, again, um, the thing with kind of the bad putters that I, I guess, failed to mention earlier were, was the fact that uh, because there's so many kind of short putts missed here, uh, I said more more putts inside five feet are missed here at Riv than any other course in the country or on the PGA Tour. Um, it does kind of level the playing field a little bit historically. So obviously if everyone's missing four footers, then yeah, the four footers that list misses every week don't seem so bad uh, or Zalatoris for that matter. Right. So yeah, list has a great argument. Uh, he did miss the cut last week in Phoenix, but again, that was because of the putter, the ball striking was still there. Two starts off his win at Torrey Pines where again, driving long iron play uh, around the green player, all very important, just like they are here. Um, and we get the same number 80 to one. <laughs> that seems like a pretty solid bet. So Again, I couldn't get there on the outright, but I will be I'll be looking at the live market just to see what what's going on with them. Uh, Coke Rack again, 75 to one on him. A guy that just wins, man. Like he's got three wins in his last uh, what going on 15 months now. So a guy that wins at a pretty high clip. He won at the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek, outdoing a big field there. Uh, outdoor Jordan Speed at Colonial, and then beats um, you know guys like Scheffler, Burns, and and uh, the like at uh, at Houston this past fall so again a big game player long off the tee uh the short game is a little bit hit or miss there and the putter kind of runs hot and cold but certainly a guy that is not scared of taking down one of these big field events so whenever you see a guy like him at at this kind of number it's definitely intriguing and then my favorite chris the first one chris brought up my favorite of this kind of bunch is thomas peters uh i'm super excited to see him stateside he's now number he's He's uh, won twice on the European Tour in the last three months. Uh, that's brought him to 31st in the world, which means he does get in back to the Masters. He can pretty much play whatever he wants. He's going to be in WGCs, uh, the Players' Championship, and the like. Uh, so we're going to see a lot of Thomas Peters here on the stage, which is really exciting. One of the premier tee to green players uh, you're going to find in Europe. Uh, hits a crazy long off the tee, really, really underrated short game, uh, and a good long art. He can get super hot with the irons as well. So he's a guy that maybe four or five years ago, he was the – Hovland, Morikawa, like he was, the, I mean, obviously he, he didn't accomplish as much as those guys at the time, but when he was coming up, he was kind of touted as this next uh, European sensation. And uh, he's certainly, I mean, he's only 29 years old, so he's certainly uh, not uh, not done filling potential quite yet. So this is a place he's finished second at. He, I think he lost to a DJ in 2017. He came second to DJ there that he won. Uh, so certainly a good course history here. He won the, uh, I believe, the U.S. Amateur here, I believe, in uh, 2013. Chris was telling me earlier. Uh, and so, yeah, obviously a good course history. He feels comfortable here, 75 to 1. Again, a lot of these guys, like, when you talk about outright tickets, I don't want to come out here and tout them as, like, oh, they're going to win this tournament because 
it's such it's like I can't overemphasize how big of a deal it would be for these guys to win this event. Um, for all, the, I mean, even for guys like Zalatoris and and Hovland and Scheffler, um, Sungjae, guys like that, Burns. This, I mean, all these young kids coming up and and really putting their trying to put their foot in the door in like the top of the world golf rankings. I mean, this would be the biggest week of their lives if they were to win this week. Uh, you can say that about 90% of the field. So uh, it's a huge ask for these guys to come out here and take down this field and take it on this course. But uh, th- those are a few guys that I saw pop in my kind of models, my metrics that are down the board. If you want to throw some darts, you want to throw a, a few uh, few units on it, I've got no problem with any of those guys uh, as outright bets. So that would be uh, that'd be my wrap-up for, uh, for, your, for your dart throws. Yeah, well, I guess you just wrapped it up, but I guess there's two other names that I just caught my eye that I was going to bring up. But I mean, it's, at 100, it's all night. At 100 to one, we have two guys sitting there: Sahith Gala, who we just saw absolutely burn the place to the ground, other than one hole, and then yeah. the guy who seems to be the the crutch of your demise is a Tom Hoagie, also at 100 to one. But I mean, their numbers. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you say last week that Tom Hoagie's like approach numbers have been like out of this world? Absolutely. Um, and he, I don't know where he finished last week, but I, he was up there for a while. We had a we had a little live ticket on him that gave us a bit of a sweat on Sunday. Um, T14, think, yeah, there we go. Yeah, he got to win within two of the lead, and then and then uh, I think he put one in the water um, on the back nine, and that was kind of the end of him uh, as far as from an outright perspective. But yeah, he's been playing great. I mean, Hoagie uh, is a guy that, like Chris said, he's a specialist. He he hits his irons as well as almost anyone on tour outside of maybe Morikawa, JT, uh, and Holland. I mean, he is legitimately up there. Uh, as one of the best iron players in the world. The problem with Hokie that I have here uh, would be the rest of his game isn't quite all the way there. I feel like I like Hokie a lot more um, on kind of the easier tracks where he doesn't have to worry about um, you know the demanding driver or, or needing to take a lot out of a short game. Hokie is his best when he can just find the fairway off the tee, not have to, you know, it's not a demanding golf course on the tee like a pebble. You know, find the fairway and then take aim at these pins and use his iron game to just create birdie chance to birdie chance. I think around here you just need a bit more of a well-rounded game. Uh, the short game and the putter, uh, the putter's been fine, but the short game and the driving, I think, it worried me a little bit more for Hoagie. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can't argue with how he's played. He's been playing phenomenally. Um, just is not right winner at Riviera. That's a tough ask. Maybe in Florida. Maybe in Florida we can go back to the Hoagie train and uh, and try to catch a ticket there because he is certainly, like Chris said, he is in form and he's playing really well. Uh, when you talk about Tagala, number one, it's it's got to be an incredible emotional letdown. Uh, you saw, I'm sure you saw the scenes of him with his parents, uh, the emotion that he showed after, you know, feeling like he blew it uh, at Phoenix and that, you know, it, despite the fact that I had no rooting interest in, in the kind of the, the finale in Phoenix and tugged at my heartstrings seeing, seeing the guy care that much and, um, you know, a young kid that, you know, had all the promise in the world and, um, you know, he felt like he was this close to kind of filling up to his potential. You know, he came out, uh, Pepperdine is one of the top amateurs in the world. He was, he led the uh, number one college team in the country there for, for two years, so, he was certainly a blue chip prospect coming out and, um, you know, this close, you know, just a, a one bounce away from maybe his maiden tour win and his breakout event um, coming right back, going, you know, hopping right back into the fire here at Riviera. Uh, again, I just feel like he, he might just be exposed a little bit here. Um, again, he's got the talents. I, I don't doubt that, but um, yeah, we haven't seen enough of the sample size. Like he, he's, he's a guy that has run hot and cold throughout his career. He's kind of, early PJ tour career. He's only been on tour for less than a year now. Uh, we've seen him pop at, at Sanderson, seen him pop at Phoenix. So two, 
two courses where he's really been contention on Sunday, and then he's had stretches where he's just really um, not shown a lot from a statistical standpoint, from a result standpoint. So uh, until I see that week over week um, kind of productivity consistency, I'm going to be staying away from him uh, for now. Uh, but yeah, certainly got to keep an eye on if he if he plays as well as he did in Phoenix. There's no doubt he can uh, he can emerge right back to the top of the leaderboard. But I'm still kind of looking for that consistency uh, from Sahith going forward. All right. Well, I guess that's a good. It's a point well taken though, because I didn't really even think of it. It's hard to take the emotional aspect into it, but definitely. yeah, it's it's definitely a as much a mental game as is physical game. So, yeah. um, all right. Well, I guess with that being said, we'll uh, we'll close it out and uh, look forward to an exciting weekend. Um, this this will be episode 16 of our of our uh, podcast, and then shortly after we'll have episode 17. Uh, highlighting the the 500 this weekend um so a little double episode for you guys this week lots to listen to but uh, it's an exciting weekend so it's a it's a big weekend for nascar and equally a big weekend for for the golf world as well so hopefully we are talking some uh some numbers in the green on come next tuesday <laughs> yeah you're telling me brother you're telling me it's been it's been too long i mean it's been too long since we had like a real sweat i know it's only been since tory but you know, I, I expect to have guys in the, in the running a bit more than what we have. So uh, coming on to a big part of the golf season, we're, uh, we're going to really kick in the gear here, coming to, in, here in the Florida swing and eventually uh, the Masters. You know, just 50-some 50, 50 short days away. I'm pretty sure like 52, 51 last I checked. So uh, it's coming up, man. The, the, big, the big tournaments are coming up, and this is definitely one of them. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess the point that I'll hit on as well is you know we've had two uh, NASCAR guests now, so if there's a if you're listening to this podcast, you're most likely a golf guest. Um, and uh, if you're wanting to come on and join us, and you know you don't you don't have to be a you know uh, big into the numbers, you can just be a fan of golf and just come on and chat with us. Um, so feel free to reach us out in the DMs, and uh, we'll get some guests on here in the NASCAR or the sorry the golf world. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm good. If you listen to our guest podcast with Thomas or with, uh, with Phil, full take with Phil, uh, that we had in Daytona this, this past few weeks. Um, yeah, it's, it's not really a lot of, uh, heavy hitting statistical analysis. It's more just kind of ad lib and riffing on, on the sport that we love. So yeah, we'd love to have guests on, uh, you know, we've got plenty of spots open players championship, API, the match play coming up. So if you want to sit there and talk uh, any of those courses, man, uh, feel free to hit us up and we'll, we'll, we'll get something set up for you. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, we'll close out this week and we'll talk to you guys next Tuesday. All right. Peace out, guys. Best of luck.